opportunity to discuss uh, and to, again, come as you are and to bring all of your questions and all of your points and to discuss the big questions of faith and life. So you are invited uh, the first Wednesday of October. Please do come along. Great. I'm going to uh, welcome up Tom, who is one of our trainee vicars here at St. John's. And Tom, I would love to pray for you, if that's okay. It's okay. I'll pay you later. That's great. (laughs) Great. Um, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Tom. And thank you for uh, the word, the message that you've given him for tonight. And I pray for each of us that you would open our hearts to hear you speak to us tonight, God. We pray. Amen. Amen. Good evening. It's a joy to be here. Joy to see you. Maybe turn to your left and right and just see whether or not the person you're sat next to seems to be someone who likes rules or seems to be someone who might break rules. And I think, to be honest, some people are laughing way too hard. I wonder how you feel about rules. <laughs> there are too many people in here who are definitely rule break. Okay, well, we're going to have to take a poll now. Hands up if you would count yourself as a rule breaker. Okay, nice. And then hands up if the thought of not tapping out on your Oyster card would just send sweats down your spine. <sighs> so every week I literally turn to Lewis and I'm like, you're not tapping out right. They're going to charge you extra. It's a nightmare. And still he doesn't listen. The world often divides into two camps when it comes to rules. In fact, in this room, like we've just seen, I imagine that we split into two kind of different groups. Those who maybe adhere to rules and those who maybe, shall we say, adapt the rules. And whether you're someone who does that, you'll know where your leaning is. The reality is that we're all actually a bit of both. We're all a bit of both. I know that I am on both the the big things and the small things. I know that I'm a mix of adhering to the rules and also very much adapting the rules. A few days ago, we got, my wife and I got a a late train back from, uh, from London and we were on a carriage and we picked a really great quiet one, just ready for a train journey home. And then this guy got on with a McDonald's. And he just started tucking in to a Big Mac. He was going big on a Big Mac. It was animalistic. There was like mayonnaise dripping down the side. And the the smell just infused the whole carriage. And I just sat there thinking, some people, the cheek. But you know, maybe not thousands, hundreds of times I have sat on a late night train cannonballing 20 chicken nuggets with three barbecue sauces and I've stunk out that courage before but we are all a mix of adhering and adapting to the rules. We set up these rules in our lives, in our minds about the etiquette, about the conduct that we have and sometimes we can extend the way we see the world onto God as though God sees the world like us. But Jesus tells a story about people who are obsessed by rules to people who are obsessed by rules. The Bible says that Jesus is, he's sat around and he's surrounded by sinners and tax collectors. One translation actually says dishonest tax collectors and notorious sinners. Notorious sinners. You feel it. I feel it. 
people who've been shunned by society for their behavior, who are renowned for what they've done wrong, for breaking the rules. And also there is another group called the Pharisees. Now these people are religious and they love a good rule. They love a good rule. They would tap out their oyster card every time. They live for the rules. They're so much living for the rules that when Jesus is about to start telling this story, they're already muttering because he's allowed sinners and tax collectors a bit too close to him. So then Jesus begins to tell this story. And he's telling a story to both groups, to the Pharisees and to the sinners and the tax collectors. And he chooses to tell a story about family. He tells a story about a father who owns an estate and has two sons, a younger son and an older son. And the younger son, he comes and he says to the father, I'd like my inheritance now. I want your money. Hands up if you have a younger sibling who seems to have an innate gift of getting money out of their parents. (laughs) Yeah, it skipped me. I don't know why. It's like a generational thing. It just jumps straight to him. And the younger brother, is he's like that. He's not even subtle. He comes to the father and he says, to be honest, dad, I can't be bothered to wait till you die. I just want the money now. You know, I'm about to go traveling. I need that money now. I could wait to inherit, but nah. And Jesus says, this younger son so like dishonors the father. Remember, we're in a patriarchal culture and he dishonors the father by saying, I'd just rather have your money than your relationship. And yet this father gives him the money for him to go off and traveling. So he goes off to a far off land. Think crazy gap year. The younger son goes wild. He's spending all his inheritance. He squanders it on prostitutes. He's going crazy over the top parties. And very quickly he's out of cash and he's in desperate need. And so he starts to work on a pig farm. If you're low on funds, pig farms apparently are great places to top up the funds. So he starts working at this pig farm. And he gets so desperate to eat that he's sneaking food from the pig's slot bucket. Ugh, disgusting. And eventually, he's covered in pig excrement. And he's starving. And the younger son comes to his senses. And he says, my father has servants at home who are living better than me. I'm just going to go home. I'm going to try and beg for forgiveness And just asked to become one of his servants. So penniless and powerless, the younger son returns home and he's practicing his penitent speech. But while he's far off from the house, the father spots him coming. And the father runs out towards him. And he flings his arms around him and gives him one of those hugs. You know where you're kind of being held rather than hugged? Where you just really feel the love? My mother-in-law does that. The first time it was creepy. Now I love it. <laughs> I used to do that pat release thing, you know, where you're like, it's okay, it's time. But the father gives the son this great, big, lovely hug. And he kisses him and he welcomes him home. And so the younger son begins, he tries to begin his sorry speech, but the father cuts him off and says, no, we're going to have a party because you've come home. But meanwhile, the second son, the older son, He's outside the party, he's grumpy, and he's refusing to come in. So again, the father goes out to his son, but this time it's the older one. And he begs him to come in. The older son's furious that the father would welcome the younger one home, especially because he broke all the rules. 
But the father begs him to join the party and he says to him, you don't need to be jealous. You were here all along. You're, you're in the house. You're my son. You share everything with me. And then the story that Jesus tells is left hanging. One father, two sons. And Jesus tells this story to people who are good at keeping the rules and people who are bad at keeping the rules. And he tells it about an older brother who seems pretty good at keeping the rules and a younger one who's not. And Jesus tells us this story because we are both of those sons. A mix of adhering and adapting the rules. On different days, I'm all too aware that I've done things wrong. And then nearly every other day in life, I'm very aware that other people have done things wrong. The two sons are so focused on the rules. And then there's the father. The father who's not even concerned about the rules. All he longs for is relationship with both his sons. That's why he goes out to meet both of them. He longs for relationship with his children, with you, with me. And we see in both of the sons our propensity to be preoccupied by the rules. For the younger son, he runs off and he breaks the rules. Culturally, morally, he, he does the wrong thing. He goes the wrong way. He, he gets lost. And each of us can get lost. A few years ago, I was on holiday with my best mate, Sam. And I was in Cinca Terra. Am I saying that right? Any Italians in? It's this beautiful place with white cliffs that drop down to stunning beaches with blue, clear blue seas. And we got up on our first morning and we were trying to get to the beaches, but we couldn't find our way down the cliffs to the beach. So we were just like wandering around, desperately trying to find our way down when we spotted a man with a towel and some trunks. So we started to follow him. And the man double backed past us and went to a tunnel. <laughs> and we thought, okay, yes, it's going to be a secret beach, which is even better. So we started following him into the tunnel. At that point, we realized the tunnel was pitch black and seemed really long. And actually, there were bits of glass on the floor, which seemed really weird. But over the tunnel, there was a picture of a beach. So we just thought, split second, we need to go now. Yeah, okay, we'll follow him through there. So we start following this poor guy who gets out a torch to shine the way through his tunnel and then suddenly becomes aware that two British tourists are chasing him through a tunnel because we were trying to keep up so that we could see where the glass was. So he starts to pick up the pace because he thinks he's about to be mugged and murdered in the tunnel. We think we're about to get left in the dark tunnel, so we need to pick up the pace. So we start sprinting after him, at which point he is full running with his torch through this pitch black tunnel. It turns out it's a mile long, super long tunnel, and we get to the other end and there's this group of people there, and we push through them, and we get to, we break out into the light and it's beautiful. And then we see that well, probably what you actually, all sensible people know, is that n not normally would you find a normal beach a mile down a pitch black tunnel with lots of glass in it. And this wasn't only a nudist beach, which me and Sam, we weren't really up for. We were, we were close, but we were not that close. There was lots of other things going on there that we were not keen on. <laughs> lots of other things. And we thought, actually, no, this isn't the right place for us. But then we thought, okay... How do we get back? We've lost our friend. We don't have a torch anymore. So we, 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 we realized we were a mile away from home down a long, mile-long pitch black tunnel with glass all over the floor. 
what we actually tried to do in the end was use Sam's camera to take photos so that every time we could step, we could get a bit further along. Stupid idea. It totally blinds you, and you're just left in a dark tunnel. It was an awful idea. But what had happened was that we were trapped on the other end, and we had no light to guide us home. We actually... We, we were lost and thought that there was no way back home. Stuck. Just like the younger son, he thinks there's no way back home. There's this huge thing that separates us now. And I know that I have that similar mindset about me and God sometimes. You know that voice that we each have that says, if you knew what I'd done, if you knew how far I'd gone wrong, if you knew how lost I feel, you would know that there's no way back home for me. You would know that God can't love someone like me. You see, the younger son is obsessed with the rules. So because he's broken them, he thinks he's forfeited his relationship with the father. But the reality is, is that if you feel like you've messed up, which we all have, if you feel like you've gone the wrong way, which we all do, if you are lost, God runs to you just like the father in the story. Just like he runs to the younger son. And God wants to embrace you with the biggest hug. And you'll never be able to pat release. He will just hug you and hug you and hug you. You haven't forfeited a relationship with God. No one is too far gone for God. And at times we're like the younger brother. who, But other times we're like the older brother. The younger brother thinks he's broken the rules, so he's forfeited the relationship. But the older brother thinks he's kept the rules, so he forgets the relationship. The older brother is so fixated on the right and wrong, so distracted by what his brother has done, that he cannot celebrate what he has in front of him, a relationship with the loving father. And that's what obsession with the rules does. It makes us boring. It makes us judgmental. It makes us grumpy. It makes us distracted from relationship. A few years ago, again, I was in Italy. And I'm aware this makes it sound like I'm a huge jet setter. But I've only been two or three times. They've just been very eventful. And I was in Italy on honeymoon with my wife. That's usually who you go on honeymoon with. Um, and we were in Florence. And we'd she said that I could tell this story even though she comes across, in her words, as a boring snooze fest. She is not. She is like the most wonderful woman in the world, and I love her. But we were in Florence, and we went to the Uffizi Gallery. This beautiful gallery with amazing, prestigious art, so renowned around the world. And we um, always, my wife and I, we play this game. It's called Become the whenever we're in a museum or, or an art kind of exhibition. And it's where you challenge the other person to become whatever is in front of you. So, I mean, in Italy, that's a lot of funny things to make your wife pretend to be. And so we were in the middle of playing Become the in the Uffizi Gallery. And that's when suddenly this guy came out of nowhere, an Italian guy, and pulled out his camera in the art museum and started taking a billion photos of every single little piece of art. And you knew they were terrible photos. They were not going to look good. He's never going to look at them again. But my wife just started going, who is this guy? He's obviously breaking, where are the police? He's breaking the rules. And she got so fixated on this guy, this poor old Italian man who was just trying to take photos. And she, she got so consumed by him breaking the rules that she started to try and like intercept and interrupt him. 
And she was like standing in front of him, taking photos. She was doing the kind of classic glare, you know, that doesn't apparently translate from English into Italian. He didn't get it. And she, and she was just so consumed by what this guy was doing as he was breaking the rules until eventually we walked into the next room and saw a huge sign which said, please feel free to take photos. Just don't use the flash. And we laughed loads because we felt like boring Brits who were like berating these poor tourists. But what had actually happened was that my wife had become so focused on the rules that we'd missed out on the relationship. That she'd been distracted by this Italian man so that we were no longer playing become the. But that can so often be the case, just like the older brother. He forgets the relationship because he thinks he's kept the rules. And both brothers are so focused on the rules at the expense of relationship. The younger thinks he's, he's broken them so he forfeits them. And the older thinks he's kept them so he forgets them. And in contrast, the father in the story is all about relationships. And you know, the invite from God the Father is not to come and follow some rules. The invite is to come and be in relationships. Be in relationship with the creator of the universe. Be in relationship with the one who knows you intimately, the good, the bad, and yet loves you infinitely. Jesus, as he's telling this story, he wants everyone, every person who's listening to know that God is not rigidly tied to the rules. He's relentlessly tied to relationship. The younger brother thinks he's forfeited. The older brother has forgotten. But the father goes out to meet them both because he longs for relationship. And God longs for real relationships. And the good news is there is nothing that can stop you entering into that relationship. Whatever could have separated you from God has been dealt with by God. God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross, to take away all the barriers of guilt and shame, all those tunnels we build up in our mind that mean we can never get home, to take away all the things we've ever done wrong so that he could make a way for us to have relationship with him. The truth is that God has made a way for every single person in this room, in this world, to come into a relationship with him. Charlie Mackesy is a sculptor and an artist. And he's time and time again been inspired by this story of the prodigal son. And he says, perhaps it should not be called the prodigal son or the prodigal sons. But actually this story should be called the running father. Charlie's picture shows the depth of embrace that God has for each of us as the son falls into the arms of the joyful father supported by the embrace of the father able to just be weak and be held up by him if we would allow him god longs to embrace us as the loved sons and daughters that he created us to be god sent his son so that he would shout aloud to the whole world I want a relationship with you. I want to know you. I want to love you. Know today that God welcomes you. He's running towards you like the father who's welcoming home a child he thought was lost. That's what happened in my life. And I've been changed radically by falling into that embrace and being held by a loving father. And so has 
thousands and millions of other people, my brother being one of them, who has literally done a 180. He has, he has changed. It's unbelievable he has changed. You know, God doesn't see the world like us through a lens of rules. God sees the world through a lens of relationship. And like a good father, he wants a relationship with you to teach you what it is to know life, to know love. And the invite is not for each of us to come and follow some rules. So boring. The invite is to come. Come and fall into the embrace of a loving father.